This is our Father's world. That selection uh, really, I think, helps us to segue into the sermon this morning. So thank you for that, Scott. It is great to see you here this morning, both members and visitors alike. We are thankful for your attendance. We praise God for you, and we're here today to worship God. Thank you for being here. Let's go to God in prayer, please. A gracious and most awesome, magnificent, and precious God in heaven. Hallowed be your great and amazing name. We come to thee in prayer with humbled hearts. Asking you, Lord God, to, to rid our minds of worldly thought. To allow us to not only fixate ourselves, our minds, and our hearts, but to focus and be focused on you on your Holy Spirit, and on your darling Son. As we worship you, let our minds be focused on worship and worship alone. We ask, Lord God, that you will bless us to never forget Jesus and that amazing sacrifice that was made in our behalf, that we might live because of the blood that he shed. We ask these things, if it be your will, in Jesus' name, amen. This is one of those subjects this morning that I do have a point, but to encapsulize this thought, um, sadly, I'm going to do a great injustice. The glory of God is, is one whole subject within itself. And so, and so the idea is not to necessarily speak of the glory of God, but rather to God be the glory. Very, very different subjects, very different thoughts, and I hope not to make this confusing. I will have to talk about His glory as we discuss this subject, because we're talking about His perfection that is displayed through His creation, through redemption, and His presence. And when you think about the creation, how do you do that? I mean, think about what, what I'm talking about. If, if we're going to uh, talk about the glory of God, we need to go into the Grand Canyon and think about the sedimentary layers. And we've got to go look at the trees and, and think about the, the rings around the trees and everything. That We have to look at the, e the ecosystem and, and how it works and how it... We have to look at the weather patterns and we've got to look at everything, right? Individually and independently. Well, we don't... I don't have time to do that. I don't even have that, that kind of knowledge. I want to turn to Isaiah chapter 6. The glory of God is the beauty of His Spirit. It is the beauty that, that emanates from His character, from all that, that He is. All that God... It, what is that? What does that mean? All that God is. What, what does that even... Does anyone, what does that even mean? This morning, we're going to look at a few things that we're asking the same question. What does that even mean? Right? Isaiah 6, verse 1. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. 
the whole earth is full of his glory. All right? Well, there's a problem right there because now we're dealing with the angelic realm and the angelic realm is telling us everything that exists that we can see and what we cannot see is part of God's glory. This earth is full of God and the angelic realm is telling us this. It's full of God's glory and the foundations of the thresholds trembling at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filled with smoke or filling with smoke. And then I said, woe is me, for I am ruined, because I'm a man of unclean lips. That's an honest man, isn't he? That was an honest man. I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. The glory of God is interwoven through, throughout Scripture, and we, we can see it, and we and we hear it and we think about it. And, and the Bible reveals, even if you will, the, the cosmic narrative, right? You know, what's going to happen in the end? God says, oh, it's all going to burn up. <laughs> wow. And, and, and then you go to Isaiah 42 and, and God speaks of his glory. And when he speaks of his glory, he makes a very definite statement. And he says, I am the Lord that is my name. I will not give my glory to another nor my praise to graven images. And so there's this idea of, of, you know, serving God and giving God the glory, to God be the glory, and understanding the glory of God and, and never giving the glory of God to, to something else. Nothing else, no created thing can handle the glory of God. It's too great, it's too vast for us. Psalm 29, the glory of God. God is the God of glory. Right? It's not just the glory of God. It's not just to God be glory. It's the fact that God is the God of glory. He is the God of everything. Psalm 29 and verse 3. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. And so to, to think about this subject is it's too, it's too big for me. First um, Timothy, please, chapter, chapter 6. His glory never fades away. Remember Moses went to the top of the mountain and he spoke to God and he came back and his face was shining so much so they couldn't even look at him. But then it faded away. And it, but the glory of God never fades away. Mankind. See, how I many of you agree with me? We're insignificant when it comes to God. I mean, I know God loves us, but we are insignificant. And sometimes what happens as men, we try to rise above God. Too smart, we're great, we're intellectual, we're this, we're that. We're insignificant when it comes to God. God is sovereign. He's the sovereign king. I love 1 Timothy 6. And beginning of verse 13, I just wanted to go back a little way just, just to get... I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep the commandment without stain or reproach until the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, 
who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. You read that and you go, wow, okay. You know how packed that scripture is? I'm not, I'm not going to try to unpack it, but I do want to ask a question. You know, God who is uh, immortal and immortality, what is unapproachable light? Anyone have the answer? When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God, what are you going to ask him? Tell me what unapproachable light is. There are these, these scriptures, when you start looking at this subject and thinking about this, 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 this thought, we've got to recognize that when we, when we wake up in the morning, we have to learn how to change our speech. Thank you, God, for allowing me to arise from my bed of slumber. See, so, so much of me is about me, right? I'm thinking about, oh, I got up and I did this and I went here and I did this. And, I, and we forget to give glory to God who gave me the strength and the ability and the mind. And the, to God be the glory that I was, I'm up out of my bed this morning. To God be the glory that I'm standing before you this morning. To God be the glory that I can see. To God be the glory that I can hear, that I can touch, that I can taste, that I can smell. To God be the glory that he knows me. And he let me know him. And then when I fall short, to God be the glory that he's willing to forgive me. If I confess my sins, he is righteous and faithful. To God be the glory. What have we done? Romans, Romans 1. So, so here's what happened. What happens is when you don't think about God throughout our day, right? We don't, we're not thinking about God and we're thinking about all the things that we've done. Sometimes we, we do the very thing that God says he will not do. And that is we give the glory of God to something else. And I know, I'm not, I'm not saying we have to say, you know, I, I heard this argument, you know, um, uh, whenever you sit down, you know, whenever you rise up, like you, I mean, when I'm, I'm not saying that. But let's think about giving God the glory and the honor that, that he deserves, right? Let's, let's be more thoughtful and more thankful in our daily activity. Thank you, God, for, for this, this day that has come our way. Verse 22, mankind has professed to be something. And that's wise, right? I mean, we, we've got this thing all figured out. We just, not wiser than God. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incredible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals and of crawling creatures. Wait a minute. What does it mean to be incorruptible? I mean, I know, you know, we can look at <laughs> dictionary, Webster will tell us, and we can look at, at Colin Brown or some of those biblical di dictionaries, dictionaries to understand words and go back and look at the Greek text. But what does that really mean? Do you know anyone that's incorruptible? Think about that. Th think about the idea and the understanding that no man can bribe God. <laughs> God is unbribable incorruptible. There's nothing on this earth or in our minds or seen or unseen that can corrupt God nor tempt God. How is that possible? Simple answer. Because he's God. Revelation 4 and, 
and verse 11. To God be the glory. God is incorruptible. God dwells in unapproachable light. God is everything but evil. In Revelation 4 and verse 11, Worthy are thou, O Lord, and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou didst create all things, and because of thy will they existed and were created. God deserves to be praised. Um, Romans chapter 11. The God of glory is the manifestation of his beauty, his supernatural uh, power, and overwhelming presence. His greatness is far beyond all comparison, right? What would we compare God to? What can we compare heaven to? It's, in, it's, it's incomparable. You recognize that all that we know is so little, right? We're, we're not even scratching. With all the great minds on the earth, we're not even scratching the surface of the knowledge that God, that God has. We're not even scratching the surface. I mean, I don't know if we're humble enough to admit that. Listen, listen to what God, by way of inspiration, says to us in verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who became his counselor or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory or the glory forever. Amen. And that word glory is it's interesting. Luke chapter chapter two, just to just to take a glimpse at what does this even mean? When Jesus uh, the announcement of his birth, he's born in Bethlehem, and, and if, if you look down at verse eight of Luke chapter two, and in the same region there were some shepherds saying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord, or an angel, excuse me, of the Lord suddenly stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. So, so, so an angel shows up, and, and the glory of the Lord surrounds them. And every, what does that even, what, what, what did they see? What was going on? When I told. But they were afraid. They were frightened. There's something about when you really get to know God, or get to see God in a the light. There's something about that that helps to increase our respect and our fear of God. Both words, by the way. Not one, but both. First Corinthians chapter 1. Something about that. Something about the more that I know, the more that I learn, that I don't know. <laughs> Isn't that funny about the Bible? You learn a subject and you go, wow, this is a great subject. And then you start studying it and you realize, I never really understood this subject. <laughs> and then you start studying it and you go, wow, I really don't understand this subject. And then you study it some more and you go, you know, I don't really understand this subject. Where's the debater of this age? For the word of the cross, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18, it's to those who are perishing foolishness, but to us who are 
being saved is the power of God. You know, the world sees us as foolish, right? Why are you people going to, to worship, right? coming to this building to worship God, a God whom you cannot see? Why are you people wasting your time, spending all of your energy doing that? The word of the cross to the world is foolishness. But we understand it's the power of salvation. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, the Jews a stumbling block and the Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. God be the glory for his attributes. You know, they never pass away. God, is always, God has always been the same. He always will be the same. He's consistent. He's the only consistent thing reverently using that I thought thing he's the only consistent one the only consistent thing in our lives nothing else is consistent but God is he always has been he forever always will be Psalm 147 his attributes together never ever pass away they are eternal imagine if you can I you know I love this you know kind of I don't know, every, you, you learned it in school that the, the sun is 93, 93 million miles away from the earth and you, you probably learned about the, you know, the rotation and gravity and centrifugal force and all those heavenly things and you, you, I'm sure you learned 93 million miles away? And God did that, right? God put the sun in one place, put the earth and, he, and there's a reason for that, right? So that we don't burn up, we don't, we, there's a reason for that, right? And to think that, that 93 million miles means nothing to God. He's not limited by space. I mean, how do you, how do you fathom that, right? And then I was thinking about, you know, I'm going over and I'm going, okay, so every galaxy has like, like 200 billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy. They say, you know, they, don't, they can't count. They're just, they're just approximating, right? So it's a guess. But 200 billion stars, let's just use their guess and say, all right. 200 billion stars, and then, and then they, they also have another guess. Their guess is there's 2 trillion galaxies. So 200 billion stars in every galaxy, and there's 2 trillion galaxies. Let me, let me read something first. Uh, Psalm 147, and then I'm going to come right back uh, to that. And, and beginning at verse, at verse 1, the, the Bible uh, uh, talks about these stars, and I, and I want us to grab just for a moment what it says. Verse 1. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God. For it is pleasant and praise is becoming. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcast of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds and counts the number of... What do you do? Wait, wait. Okay, so two... Now, can you count the two trillion? Anyway? So two trillion galaxies and 200 billion stars in every... What is 200... What is 200 billion times 2 trillion? <laughs> and he, he, but he can count that high, right? 
So he counts, he counts all the, the stars, and then, and then he just, all right, so it's two, 200 billion stars in a galaxy, and there's two trillion galaxies. So, and he didn't just count it. That's a lot of names, church. He named every star. You want to talk about God's glory? You want, you want to think about, you want to try to fathom the idea of God's glory? He gives names to all, all of them. And we say, there's a shooting star, and God says there's, and he gives it a name, and he, and he, he sends that star, or releases it, whatever, it, I don't know what happens in heaven. I'm not even going to pretend. The Lord supports the afflicted and brings, down, brings the wicked to the ground. You know what I love about that verse in, in connection to this, in context. If he names every star and he knows every star, he knows every trouble that I'll ever go through, that I've ever gone through, and that I'm currently going through. God. God is amazing. Psalm 19. To God be the glory. Church, you, you, you get your mind around these things. And you think about this. You think about the greatness of God. It, get, it empowers you when you're out there in the city streets, if you will. It empowers you to speak up the name of Jesus to a lost and dying world. And if you, if you need some encouragement, just look up. The Bible says the heavens, Psalm 19, verse 1, declare the glory of God. Just look up. You'll receive the power that you need, the strength that you need in your mind to speak up for God. The heavens are telling the glory of God. Their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their line has gone out through all throughout all the earth and their utterances to the end of the world in them he has pierced a tent or placed a tent excuse me for the sun which is a bridegroom coming out of his chamber it rejoices as a strong man to run his course it's rising from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end of them and there's nothing hidden from its heat see how God just simplifies it <laughs> he just simplifies it all Thank you, God, for the simple-minded. Just simplify it for me. The glory of God. Matthew chapter 1. There was a, a woman. She was a virgin. She got pregnant. Because the Holy Spirit came upon her and planted a seed. And he planted that seed that was the seed of God. What? Where did the seed come from? God. Right? It's, it's not like we, it's not the way we do it medically. No, he, this is supernatural. Right? I know we can plant seeds, but not like God. Right? He took the seed, he made the seed. A body you prepared for me. He didn't create Jesus. You know, it's funny. Funny thing is, the Godhead, Jesus planted the seed himself, and that was him. That's the Godhead that planted the seed, the Holy Spirit. 
That's another subject. Verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And, and you know what God said? God said, oh, by the way, I, I'm going to be executed on the cross, and then I'm going to raise myself up. You know, Jesus said that, right? What? How do you, how do you, how did you do that? The resurrection. How powerful, how, how mighty, how glorious. John 1, 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld, ah, okay, a little more, another picture, his glory. So now I can look at the life of Jesus. And I can, through the life of Jesus, beginning with that, with that seed and, and then the birth, and with that, I can, I can see the glory of God through, oh, Jesus. Yeah, okay, so I'm looking at perfection. Absolute perfection. Every, think about this, every thought, every idea, every move was calculated without sin. Every temptation, he overcame. All the schemes of Satan who was the craftiest beast of the earth, the craftiest beast of the field, the text says, Jesus overcame. And he did it with you and I in mind. Because if Jesus had not kept the law perfectly, we'd all die lost in our sins. That's part of the glory of God. To God be the glory for my salvation. Not look at how great I am, but thank you, God, for being as great as you are. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 18. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, He has explained Him to us. Adding that in. He explained him. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31, I think about the glory of God. The glory of God. To all be the glory of God. To give it to God. Look at how great I am. No, look at how great God is. Thank you, God, for giving me what I have. The knowledge that I have. The ability, the strength. Thank you, God, for that. As... as the inspired writer in 1 Corinthians 10 in verse 31 says, whether then you eat or drink and whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Again, that's not saying every time you drink something. But you've got to give God his, his due. Right? How many of you, don't raise your hand, how many of you eating without praying and saying thank you? Think about that. And it didn't just say eat. Eat and drink. How many of us, have, without giving God the glory and saying, God, to, to you be the glory that this food is not spoiled and it's, and it's available to me and you've you provided it and you, you... Thank you, God. Okay, I'm trying to make a point. I want to go to Matthew chapter 5 and then, and then right now I'm, I'm beginning to wrap this up because, again, I'm, I'm not talking about, yeah, I guess I am, but the glory of God, but to God be the glory. And I want to emphasize that to you or re-emphasize that to you because as we give glory to God, I want us to think about a way 
that we can give glory to God. And there are many ways that we can give glory to God, but I'm so excited that we collectively as a group are about to give glory to God. And I know you individually have given glory to God continuously throughout our lives is what we do. But collectively, we are about to give glory to God. Matthew 5 verse uh, 16. Let your light shine before men in such a way they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So good works glorify God. Now we could go through uh, an exegesis of the text uh, from Genesis to Revelation and try to find all the good works that God declares as a good work. But we're not. We're just going to look at one. Proverbs 19. Preacher, we read this scripture so many times. I know. I, I just want to read it again. In verse 17. He who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord. And God, he will repay him for his good deed. We, Mark 14, we are about, next week, November 5th, the Jerusalem Project. We are about to participate in a work, and I hope you're ex excited about this, that gives glory to God. And we can leave here saying to God be the glory that we have given glory to God. Just in this one area, this one specific area, there are other areas, but this, in this one specific area, we are about to give glory to God. Mark 14 and verse 7. The poor you will always have with you, and whenever you wish, you can do them. See, when God calls something good, you got to hold on to that, right? You can do them good, but you do not always have me. What kind of good? Matthew, please. 25. I don't know how many of our brethren, uh, you know, both humanitarian and also uh, for the brotherhood, I don't know how many of our brethren will be assisted and helped through this good deed. But I do know this. Jesus didn't write this parable by way of inspiration for nothing. Jesus didn't say this for no reason at all. He said it for a specific and a particular reason. Verse 35. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you, you came to me. It seems like Christianity is an active thing, isn't it? Right? It's not sitting in the pews. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And then, and then comes the answer from Jesus, the king. And the king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even 
to the least of them. You did it to me. Ephesians chapter 3. Thank you, God, for putting us in a position individually, independently, and collectively to be able to participate in an act that glorifies your name. Thank you, God. That's pretty exciting. I, I get excited. Just, you know, can you get something right? You say, well, I got that one right. I know. Ephesians 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to his power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church. Notice the location, right? In the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Doesn't matter how much you give. Now this is that, this is a free will offering. Doesn't matter how much you give. Second Corinthians chapter 9 speaks to this free will offering. God will bless it. You give God a seed, God will grow you a field. You give God a bean, God will give you a whole bunch of shoots. You give God a shoot, God will give you a whole bunch of fields. God has put all the food that we need on the earth. We talked about this. We've discussed this. I, I want to spend today thanking you, but I want you to spend today thanking God for blessing you for your heart and your desire for, for you participating in an act that is, is most impressive and it brings glory to God. And I want us to be able to say today, church, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. That I had the restraint. Remember I talked about this. Instead of buying two bags of chips, just buy one. Russ, Russ said it last week. He says, well, I have announcements today and all my announcements surrounds food and then the lack thereof. Food, 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 food for us. And now we, you, are about to extend that to the world. God bless you, church. God bless you. This morning, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. If we can help in any way, if we can assist, maybe there's someone that would like to surrender to God in the waters of baptism. If there's someone today who has a need, if we can help in any way, please come while together we stand and sing our song of invitation. You can actually grab a book. I think, uh, if you can turn to number 682. Grab a book and go to 682. I think it's just fitting uh, to su and support the message that we heard today. 682, to God be the glory. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son.
Amen.